That feeling in your stomach right now, guys, is football season. And thank God it's back. Or that that feeling in your stomach might be that hangover after a a three-day weekend coming off Labor Day. This is Matt Miller, one of your hosts of the Stick to Football podcast. Uh, I got my boy Connor alongside me, well, in New York. But, Connor, we had a a crazy weekend of college football. uh, And I know we have a big show today, but I'm just excited that that we finally actually have a draft podcast that we could do this year round now. And it's finally football season. We don't have to like press for content anymore. We're not doing list. We can actually just sit back and talk about the draft now. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about this morning is how good it feels to just, you know, we and you always plan out a show no matter what, but to actually just have a show, the content is essentially coming to us. We could talk about what we saw this weekend. We could talk about who stood out, who didn't? We have a lot. We're going to give you each, you know, a new quarterback to know that each of each of us are. So we're going to have an awesome guest later. A returning guest, Ryan Hurd, our first returning guest, right, Matt? Yeah, first returning guest. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with Ryan Hurd, you might not be a country music fan, or you might not follow this podcast uh, all the way back to episode four when we had Ryan on. But he is one of the really one of the emerging stars in that industry. Uh, he's also a huge Michigan Wolverines fan. He's a Tennessee Titans fan. So it's going to be fun to just talk to him about. He he DM'd me the other day and was like, I just want to talk about sports. I just want to like get away from, I think, get away from music for a little bit and talk football. So we're going to do that. We're, of course, going to close the show out with the draft on draft segment. And I'm excited for it because I feel like you guys have probably stepped it up with the questions and the comments now that we actually do have football and if if draft on draft is any representation of what my mentions were on Twitter over the weekend, oh boy, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it was it was a rough weekend. And to kind of I guess reset the stage, you know, I was in Iowa City to scout the Iowa Wyoming game, and it was not a not a pretty game, and not a pretty day for a player who I had ranked as the have ranked as the number one player in the class, Josh Allen, the quarterback of Wyoming. And something I wanted to talk about before, we're going to break down these top three quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, how they looked in the opener. We'll we'll talk about some of the other standouts that we saw. But what I wanted to talk about first was the fact that when uh, this happens sometimes, you know, your number one player comes out and has a rough game. That happens. Um, And so during the Wyoming game, I'm getting all these tweets about how, you know, oh, you're you're fucking stupid. Your quarterback sucks. It's like, okay, like, well... For one, it is week one, and Josh Allen, as a prospect, and you can go back and read everything I've ever put on paper about this kid, is a project. He's a a developmental quarterback. I've compared him to Pat Mahomes. He's not a finished product. It's not always going to be pretty with him, but his traits are out of this world, and we saw that against Iowa. The play where he was wrapped up by three guys and broke away, that not many people could do that. The problem is he didn't throw the ball away. He took a sack. Uh, he had some throws that were beautiful. One was dropped in the end zone. He also threw two interceptions, two bad interceptions, where he stared down a, a linebacker th- right to him. Another, he threw a pick on a screen play. It's pretty hard to do. He had a rough day. But the, the important thing for people to remember is this is a process. And I don't, I'm not trying to sound like Nick Saban, but this is the truth. It's, you know, we evaluate these kids over the summer. We look back at what they did last year. And we try to project that forward. Josh Allen is a project. He is uh, someone that would need developed by an NFL staff, but you see the traits that are there. The other guy, this is hilarious. I swear to God, this is a true story. So during the Iowa-Wyoming game, I'm getting all these tweets about, your quarterback sucks Sam Darnold so much better. 
<laughs> Sam yeah. Darnold goes out and throws two picks against Western Michigan, right? So my Twitter mentions are, oh, Lamar Jackson's QB1. And then uh, we're driving home and the UCLA A&M game starts. And everybody's like, Josh Rosen sucks. What are you talking oh about? What God. are you talking about? And then the second half comes around and all these people. So all weekend, my Twitter mentions were fucking schizophrenic with people, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down. The important thing is to like, let's just see what happens. Like, there's no rush. You don't have to put a grade on these kids right now. Let's see what happens. And where you have a kid in August is based on your belief of where they can go. Where you have a guy in February is where he eventually got to. So that's my rant. Sorry for taking over the first five minutes of the podcast. But no, it's you're spot on because we live in such a I want to be first or just react now world. I always try to explain to people, like, I come out of the summer with a QB1 from what I watched over summer. This year, I came out of the summer with Josh Rosen as, as, as that guy. Last year, I came out with Deshaun Kaiser as that guy. And he didn't finish that. He finished my third overall quarterback because Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky were just significantly more ready and better at the time. Things change. It's as simple as yeah. that. And it's crazy, Matt. Like you said, a lot of people know I've been a Josh Rosen guy. After that first half, I had people tweeting at me that I don't even know, texting me, saying, God, he sucks. And I'm like, it's been one half of football, and his team (laughs) is so bad, so bad. And it's like, okay, he made a lot of questionable throws in that comeback. You need a little luck to score 35 consecutive points, okay? You need luck somewhere. But he still looked really good. And the same thing's going to happen for Josh Allen and Sam Darnold's points this year. The, the thing about Josh Allen is, like, through all his struggles in reckless play, that throw that he made uh, d- that was just perfect, the deep one that the receiver yeah, the bobbled, yep. it's like you have to catch that. And then the narrative on him changes coming out of this week. It's like, well, that one throw showed that we're so reactionary with stats. And I'm a fan of Lamar Jackson and excited to see him grow, and I thought he showed a lot of growth this weekend. But once again, he played Purdue. Purdue was a three-win football team last year. Right. And I've seen that stat bouncing around. It's like Josh Allen is now one touchdown and seven picks against power five teams. Well, he plays for Wyoming. Like, it's he doesn't have much help. And I'm not trying to make an excuse. Like, anyone who has followed me on Twitter for a day knows if I'm wrong, I will be the first person to admit it. I have no problem telling you guys I missed on a player or – Hey, I got excited about this kid and I went a little over the top. That happens. It happens to all of us. It happens yep. in the NFL. But let's take a breath because, like you said, Lamar Jackson, they played Purdue. And I, I think, you know, we can look at, at Josh Allen playing Iowa. We could look at Sam Darnold playing Western Michigan and say, those are teams you should not be throwing picks against. Yeah, you know, most likely. Um, but it happened and you got to move forward. Jared Goff threw five picks in a game and was the number one pick in the draft. So I also don't put a whole lot of stock in a guy has a bad game. It's so much about how he bounces back. Um, so that's where we're at. I know that everyone's going to want to talk about the quarterbacks because hell we've built it. This is, we've said it. This is the year of the quarterback. We talked about it all summer. That has not changed. Like no. the, it, it doesn't change just because some guys had a rough week one. And like you said, with, with Josh Rosen, Man, he threw a lot of intermediate passes in that comeback. I mean, it was a lot of comeback routes. It was a lot of stick routes. And he put his guys in a position to succeed, which I love. I, I really thought the play calling got better. It got more aggressive. But it it also has to, you know, when you're, when you're down 34 points. So I don't know that 
I'm not going to change my rankings after one week. I think that would be incredibly reactionary. And I'm also not going to talk shit about these other quarterbacks just because they're not my guy. You know, I'm not going to run down Josh Rosen because he's my third ranked quarterback. And I've seen a lot of that over the weekend where if if you liked Josh Rosen, you trashed Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. We don't do that here. Like we're not or I'm not going to jump into that boat of let no. me let me make everyone else look bad. So my guy looks good. The top two quarterbacks on my board had a rough weekend. I, it's going to be important to me to see how they bounce back. You're right. It's just so ridiculous. And it's it, what's even worse is the people that come out and say, well, I was right about this quarterback class. It's not as good as everyone says. It's <laughs> been one week. one week. I had somebody somebody text me a screenshot of an article from a former NFL employee that's now in media saying, like, I was right about this quarterback class. They're not as good as I thought. God, I bet what I did never you, wrote what that did article. You, yeah, you do. What did you learn in one week? You wasted <laughs> yeah, an entire summer watching 10 games of these guys, and you learned everything you need to know in one week. It's unbelievable. But that's why, you know, some people are taken seriously and some people aren't. So when that's you look true. at outside of the quarterbacks, because like we said, you know, obviously good bounce back second half for Rosen, good week for Lamar Jackson. We're going to talk about some under the radar guys later. We're hoping to see Darnold and Allen obviously bounce back and they will, but some other standouts this week at not at the quarterback position and people are forgetting because it feels like forever ago. It's just Thursday. How about Simi Cobbs on Indiana, Matt? Oh man, we were texting about this kid during the game. I, at one point, if I could have cleaned up the language of our text stream, I would have just posted it because yeah, yeah, that's it was true too. It was honestly like, uh, it was really cool because this was a, a kid who was hurt last year. He got hurt week yep. one, so we really hadn't seen him play. And you were texting me like, you know, I don't even remember. Who him. is I this said, kid? I said, who is this? Yeah, yeah. And I had a, I did talk about a blind squirrel finding a nut. I had him in the second round over the summer because a, a big part of that was what I had heard from coaches and road scouts who went to Indiana over the summer and saw this kid practice. And I was like, man, he's, he's 6'4", 225, and he's moving well. And we saw that against Ohio State. He just bodied a lot of these receivers, and yeah, especially in the first half. <laughs> Yeah, good. And we're going to talk about those Ohio State corners. But in the first half, he had like nine catches for 87 yards or something. In the second half, he only had two catches. So Ohio State did, or they started bracket covering him. But Simi Cobbs Jr. is a guy to watch, and he is just a junior. I, I don't, again, you don't want to be reactionary and be like, God, this, you know. But he he did look very good. And he's someone whose name should be on the radar in a wide receiver class that hasn't really wowed me. I'm not in love with this group of receivers. He, he should be talked about as maybe one of the top five or six draft prospect receivers in the country. And I think a performance like that one is one that's going to stick with you because it was a, against some very good corners at Ohio State. Yeah, and I don't want to I'm not giving him this comparison I'm about to say, but he did Mike Evans type things yeah, he in did. that game where you're like, OK, maybe he's not a four, four, five runner and maybe he's not, you know, the best route runner. But it when you're that physically dominant against good defensive backs, it doesn't matter. Your quarterback's going to go up and give you a chance. And yeah, he, and that's he what he was that. doing. He was yep. one-handing everything. I mean, he was. He was, I was actually laughing because one time he tried to catch it two-handed and dropped it. And I was like, okay, yeah. just go back to one-handed, man. Just right? go back. Like You're so much better that way. Let's flip it, though, and talk about those Ohio State DBs or corners especially because, again, I ran into some, some fun on Twitter because I said I thought Denzel Ward was one of the best corners in the country. And uh, people, I, I, I mean, he, 
Everyone's saying he struggled. I didn't think he struggled. No. I, he gave up a couple catches. They also threw the ball, I think, 40 times in the first half. And so if you see him give up five catches, you're like, God, this kid sucks. But he also had an interception. I think he had six pass breakups. It was ridiculous. I, I texted you in the middle of that and said, God, he comes underneath. He breaks underneath like Vernon Hargraves. Yeah. Like there's that initial explosiveness. Yes. He doesn't he doesn't work back. He doesn't, you know, backpedal the same way. Or play the ball in the air, I think, in the same way yet. He definitely has a potential. This is a very young player and a very highly touted player. You talked a lot about him over summer. But when he comes down on passes, it's very impressive. Yeah, that that click and close speed is is good. And, I mean, they threw the ball 68 times. Oh my and if you God. think about if you're the number one corner on a team, you don't come off the field at all. So they threw it 68 times. They ran it 27 so that's a long-ass game for a corner to be out there competing. You're not playing that many snaps in an NFL game. So I, I did think there were some positives. He did struggle, uh, Denzel Ward, number 12, in the end zone against Simi Cobb. Simi just basically posted him up and caught one over the top of his head. But this is also the first game that Ward has ever been the number one corner because he was behind Marshawn Lattimore and Gary Conley and Eli Apple before that. But I, I think the... The sky is the limit for him. The other two corners are Kendall Sheffield, uh, a transfer from Alabama, who's a very good athlete. I, I thought struggled a little bit in terms yeah, of did. technique and just awareness. I, I think he just tried to be an athlete a little bit and got caught up in that. Uh, and then the other corner, Damon Arnett. I, I, he's a redshirt sophomore. Again, a very, very young player. I, I thought he struggled a little bit as well. But it, you could see early in the game, they were kind of targeting those two players and trying to go away from Denzel Ward. You saw the the lack of play experience with those guys. So is what it felt like to me. They didn't feel like they felt like they put the best athletes on the field, especially Sheffield. Because I was tweeting, I was like, "Listen, this is the guy I want to see." Because I don't know what he's going to look like on the football field. All I know is that he probably runs a four four forty. He's got size. He's a freak. But like, can he play corner? And that's once again goes back to let's not overreact. Week one, these guys are still learning the position, especially at the college level for a big time program, and they have their hands full against a receiver that, you know, will outbody you. He went off. Yeah. And, and I, this goes back to what we originally talked about today, but what you just said there, it's week one. People forget that there's no preseason in college. Like these guys have scrimmaged each other all summer. They're limited in hours. I, I think a lot of people expect top ranked players to come out and look like, you know, Greek gods when in the reality is, they're not going to hit their stride for a couple of weeks. There's always that rust that you have to knock off, which is why we see a lot of upsets, you know, and there were upsets this week. Texas lost. It was embarrassing as hell to lose to Maryland, especially in the way they did. Texas oh, lost though. Texas A&M. They gave up what the 34 point comeback. Yeah. Baylor lost to Liberty. That has to I be the you, most. That's yeah. Not, not great. Baylor is uh, plummeting as a program. I like right their now. coach. It's just he's going to have to completely rebuild everything because yes. of what Art Bryles and his staff did. But so it's it's just it's funny because I I do think that you know fans have heard us talk about these guys all summer. So maybe some of it's our fault. So we talk about you know Josh Allen and Sam Darnold and all these big time players, Denzel Ward, and then they come out and they they maybe have an uneven game or maybe they even have a bad game and people are like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? This kid sucks. Yeah. It's yeah. like, wait, you got to you gotta wait and see it. Uh, someone else who had a great game, I know that uh, I think they played Akron or Kent State or someone. Akron, Saquon yeah. Barkley just went 
off. He just went nuts. And that's someone who you, I didn't get to watch the game live because we were in the press box and uh, they have no TVs in the Iowa press box, but it was of like, course. <laughs> from what everyone told me, it was like, okay, this, he looked like you would expect him to look against a Mac school. He just ran yes. wild. Yeah, so uh, I was home this weekend, and my dad's a Penn State fan, so that's why I always watch more Penn State football, it seems like, than any other program in the country on broadcast. And Barkley was as advertised, but the offensive line did a really good job. I mean, there was one long run where they paved the highway for him, but we got to see that 4-4 speed on display. He might run a fourth, He might run a sub-4-4. I mean, I've heard he's in the four three eight area. That's, it looks like it in pads. And the thing that impresses me so much with Barkley is because it doesn't the competition matter doesn't even level matter when it gets to this point. The pass catching and ability in the open field when you make like six defenders miss on one play, I don't care who you're playing. There's some kind of special ability to do that, and Barkley just consistently does that. He doesn't have to come off the field. Um, another guy that didn't disappoint. He didn't have the type of game Barkley did, but he went against a tough front against BYU. Darius Geis is the angriest runner in the country. I, I and, love the yeah. kid. And yes. I know you've said he's a, an angry ballerina, which... That's what he looks like. It's graceful, but it's violent. It is. And he his feet, I mean, they're so quick, and it's, you know, chop, 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 and then he lowers his shoulder and he's gone. So he he's definitely going to be a, a fun guy to watch all year. I thought that... Uh, Wadley, the running back for Iowa, looked very good as well. He had a couple nice cutbacks. He doesn't have breakaway speed, but he's, you know, he kind of reminds me of like a Doug Martin type where, and maybe not that powerful, but just someone who can beat you with cutbacks and with eyes. I want to see him play against a little better competition. Uh, But as far as running backs go, he had a pretty good day as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be another year. I think it's going to be very similar to the year where we saw uh, Todd Gurley go 10th overall, and I believe Melvin Gordon went 15th overall. I think it's going to be the same for Barkley and Geis. Yeah, I I know it's early to say that, but just the talent is undeniable. It's undeniable. They are guys that, at running back, we talked about this in length recently, there's a lot of Jags in the league, You know, just a guy, very replaceable players, and then there's the the tier that's Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. Geis and Barkley are the guys that, have the potential to be in that upper tier of the league where they change the game. And it's it's going to be very interesting to see where they go in the draft because it's just simple as this. They're not going to they're going to have success this year. There's going to be no, you know, letdown with those two. Um, you know, going back to one dis- really disappointing part of this opening weekend, the DeAndre Francois injury is such a bummer for so many reasons besides the fact that he's one of the toughest players in the country. The injury is devastating. I believe it's the same injury Victor Cruz had, right? I think so. That's, uh, yeah. It's a Which long is re- rough. It's a long rehab. He's got a big arm. You know, he's mobile. Hopefully he gets that mobility back. I hope he's back for 2018 as good as ever because it's just a brutal loss for Florida State and him, a guy that I felt, I mean, maybe not this year if, if he decided to stay, but felt it could have found his way in as an upper quarterback prospect, you know, top five quarterback prospect. So we're wishing the best for Francois' rehab. You know, I didn't get to watch, but I wanted to ask, how'd your guy Brandon Wimbush from Notre Dame look? He looked fantastic. You could see um, that it was his first start with certain things. Not a panic necessarily, but there's just times where he was a little gun shy. But when you have that kind of, when you have track speed and a 220-pound frame, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, 
the time he took a lot of hits because Notre Dame, we saw this with Malik Zaire, and that's how he got hurt. There's just so many ru- designed runs or you know reads where they can run. He's got a gigantic arm. I mean, enormous, a cannon, a laser. Um, it, listen, I don't. I've heard that, and with this could change so much. But I have heard that he does plan to, even if he has a fantastic season at Notre Dame, I've heard he does plan to stay another year. That could all change so fast, but I've heard that's always been the plan for him. The thing is, he just the raw talent is so impressive. When you go back and watch Matt, you're gonna say, "Okay, you know, is he is he the most perfect prospect right now?" Of course not. He just had his first career start. But when you combine arm mobility and just the things that he could do that most players can't, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch him going down the stretch of this year. Nice. I knew you were excited to to finally see him. Yeah, it lived up to the hype and. Yeah, and I don't know what kind of program Temple is going to be this year, so I'm not going to get too crazy. But the good thing is, another good thing, besides Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson just being two powerhouses on the left side of that offensive line, Wimbush is going to give Equinemius St. Brown a lot of opportunities to succeed this year as a top wide receiver. St. Brown's not the perfect prospect right now. I think he's very fast. He's got great length. I don't really think he's that physical yet, but... There's going to be no holding back. It's not going to be a Cortland Sutton situation where we're like, man, I wish this kid had a better quarterback to help him out. I mean, he's got it now. Yeah, I, I've i seen all the notes and everything, and everybody tweeting, you know, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. I know, you know, EQ, like you said, St. Brown had a, had a much better game, you know, and that was a, a prospect everyone loved coming out of high school. Let's talk about some under-the-radar guys. Uh, and then we'll we'll you know get to our Ryan Hurd interview. We do have our draft on draft day. Remember, close it out. Kennedy will join us. A, a lot of great questions this week. Uh, my my under the radar guy, and I have to preface this. You know, it, it's that time of year where you get a lot of scouts texting you, and you're hey, have you seen this guy? What have you heard about this kid? Things like yeah. that. This this player came on my radar because of an interview I did with a a local journalist. So a good friend of mine, Aaron Sorensen. Uh, covers Nebraska football, and she texts me a while back. She's like, hey, can, can we do an interview about Tanner Lee, the quarterback transfer from Tulane? Like, yeah, of course. Let me Give me a couple of days, and I'll, I'll study up on him. I'll ask around. So we did this interview, and I was like, gosh, actually, I kind of like the tools on this kid. you know. And it's one of those things I think I even told her in the interview. I want to see him play, and I really want to see him play Big Ten football, but I, I like his tools. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's got a, a gigantic arm, so kind of want to see where he goes, but I think a lot of Nebraska fans see this kid as it, I mean, he might be someone who go ahead and jumps to the NFL after this year because of the tools. And he had a, in doing my research about him, he had a, a tremendous showing at the Manning Passing Academy. So a lot of people yep. were really buzzing on him coming out of that event, which we've seen some guys in the past get buzzed about from there and it never becomes anything. Some guys get buzzed there and it, it propels them to a higher draft pick. So Tanner Lee, the quarterback for Nebraska, I, I just quickly this morning uh, watched their game from last week, and he does have a cannon. I mean, his deep fill, his deep accuracy, excuse me, is a- impressive. He can definitely push it to any part of the field. And he's. I'm just excited to see his development because when you see a kid with an arm like that, you automatically think, okay, well, what what else can he do? You know, what could we get him to do? What? How well could he be coached to to throw intermediate, to throw timing routes? So, Tanner Lee for Nebraska would be my Week one sleeper. And I, I think it's hard to have sleepers in this day and age because of Twitter and the internet. And, you know, ESPN has like eight channels that all cover yeah. college football. And, and so it's like, it's, 
I actually find that a hard question to answer when people ask for a sleeper because I, I feel like if you say, you know, if you say Simi Cobbs a week ago, you, you've got a lot of people who are like, yeah, that's he was a huge recruit. That's not a sleeper. And then yep. you've got people who are like, who the fuck is that kid? You know, so <laughs> Tanner Lee, I know a lot of people are going to know that name. Uh, they're going to recognize it. But I, I do feel like he's a, a solid sleeper for this year. Yeah, I, I completely agree. When I opened up the rundown this morning and saw you had punched his name in, uh, I thought that was great just because I had heard a little buzz that, you know, a lot of scouts on the road right now, he's been kind of the talk amongst the community because they want to see more. After that first game, you're like, man, big arm. He was the guy pushing the ball down the field. We didn't get to see, you know, Rosen, Darnold, uh, Allen, although Allen had a great throw down the field that was bobbled and caught out of bounds in the back of the end zone. So that was a shame. But Lee pushed the ball down the field and was like, man, big arm. Would like to see him, uh, you know, not be so his base, not so stiff. He, he was a bit of a statue in the pocket, but it didn't matter because the Nebraska line held up so long. I thought he looked really good. Uh, my guy this week is a, another guy I talked about over the summer, Clayton Thorson, the quarterback out of Northwestern. You know, he was a uh, not a gigantic, but a big enough recruit as a dual threat a couple years ago. And I think this is the year he's really going to put it together. I, you see a big arm. He can move. He, he's got a good frame. He made a couple big throws. He had one throw down the sideline, about 40 yards, at the end of the fourth quarter on third and seven that basically sealed the game. And it was a big balls throw. Let me just say that. It was, uh, you know, a big balls throw. I want to see more from him. I'm excited to see him. You know, we've Matt, we've done it so much. We've talked so much about Darnold, Lamar Jackson, Rosen, Allen, uh, you know, all these quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph, um, you know, a little bit of Francois. It's, it's a shame that he's hurt now. But Lee and Thorson might get themselves on the map. I'm not saying round one type of map, but they have the arms and the raw talent. And now you're kind of seeing it come together a little bit after slow starts in each of their college careers where they're going to start generating a lot more buzz. Yeah. And, and Thorson's a guy I had only heard of because of you. So it, that's one of the great things about this job is when you have friends that you trust and you can, That's right. you know, like, Hey, uh, what's, what's going on with this kid? What's going on with that kid? So, um, hat tip to you, you need, because everyone uh, needs the help though. Cause like, you know, not to cut you off, but like I texted you and said, who the hell is Simi Cobbs? And you're like wide receiver seven and uh, like preseason <laughs> wide receiver seven. He yeah. didn't even play last year. And Matt was like, he's a top 10 guy. And when I saw you, top, <laughs> yeah. you came to my defense on Twitter the other night. You were like, my man has over 900 players in his watch list. Like, in July. It's tough, man. It is. And you're right. I, there are 921 players in our watch list right now. Some of them probably like retired over the summer and I missed it. I know I had a couple people. <laughs> yeah. And listen, I don't get offended if you guys do that because I don't follow your teams as closely as you do. You know, I, I compile this list talking to scouts, talking to coaches, talking to players. It's guys that flashed last year that didn't come out. It's you know, guys who are expected, you know, big names that we all know, like Saquon Barkley and Darius Guy. So it's just a, it's not a perfect list. So it's actually cool when you guys will tweet and be like, hey, this kid transferred to BYU over the summer. He doesn't play here anymore. Awesome. Thank you. I'll go update that. Yes. So uh, I'm not going to get offended if y'all help me out. And in, in fact, I like it. I appreciate it because it is a lot to keep, keep track of, stay on top of. You're right that some of the people that we do interact with, because we talk about the bad ones a lot, but a lot of them are so great. I can't remember who it was, but a Nebraska fan over the summer tweeted at me and said, what do you know about Tanner Lee, the transfer from Tulane? And I said, I don't know anything about Tanner Lee. And now he's on the week one of our show. So if that was you that tweeted at me, please tweet at me again so I could say thank you. You're way ahead of the curve. 
for all the bad people we point out, there are a lot of really great ones. Yeah, that is the the absolute truth. We we complained a little bit about Twitter this morning, but we do love you guys. Let's throw it to uh, our first break. We're going to come back with Ryan Hurd. I'm not sure if we should introduce him as a Michigan fan, uh, a country music uh, budding star, or Marin Morris's fiance. I guess we'll find out what title he actually prefers. Uh, we'll be back right after this, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Stick to Football. We are joined by our first repeat guest, uh, good friend Ryan Hurd, who is blowing up in the country music world. And I have to admit, the CMA nominations came out Monday morning, and I was like looking for your name on there, dude. I don't know if that's unrealistic oh, of me because it's, it's like a little early for me, but uh, I appreciate you taking a look out, man. That we I made the second that the way those things work is it's all like rounds of voting, and you have to be a CMA member, which is like I don't know, you have to be somehow connected to the country music industry. So whether you own a club or you work for a label or you're an artist or a songwriter, like you can kind of apply to be a member and. I made the to the second cut where it's like twenty for new artists, like twenty artists left, and at it. But that's about as far as we expect it to go. We're we're kind of aiming for next year for that, assuming like our single works and whatever. But yeah. that, it's a little early for me. I kind of thought maybe for songwriter of the year though, because you wrote the song that Lady Annabelle recorded. You look good, and that song yeah. is everywhere, man. So I thought if you Thanks, didn't get man. new artists, I thought you were at least being there for songwriter. So. Well, though, I mean, the, the thing, I haven't been super, I mean, that's kind of how I got my start, is writing songs for other people, and that's still how I make a living, and I did write a song for Lady Annabellum called You Look Good that was on the radio for almost eight, like eight months, I mean, it was crazy how long it stayed with Top 5, but the songwriter category, it really does, like, there's guys who have had, like, four, five, six number one songs this year who've written them, like, just either for other artists or with the artists. So that's for those, those guys, man. They're, they're, there's people who have had just wildly successful years in, in the you know, writing country music. Ryan, we still got some time and a full football season ahead, but what's been the highlight of the year for you so far personally? Oh, man, the Michigan win, man. That was really cool. It was, it was really interesting, everybody talking about the game leading up. I'm, I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Grew up a Michigan fan and still am a big fan. Uh, you know, of the Wolverines, but it was a, it's a weird game, right? Like everybody was saying that no one will know anything about either team until like just because there's so many Florida players out. But I think it was really like nobody's gonna know anything about either team unless Michigan really sucks. And we'll, know, <laughs> we'll know that they're not any good. But it was man, it was cool. What do you guys think? The first half, Michigan looked awful. Like that they were they were bad. They were getting blown off the ball. Yeah. It, it didn't look crazy. like Michigan, you know, like, but I second yeah. half, I, I think the hard thing for you guys, other than those awful uniforms, Jesus, those were, like those were so bad. Was, <laughs> I felt my, I found myself getting used to them and I was like, I got to stop. Like, this is not normal and this is not okay. They're terrible. They need to never do that again. No, I get like, you want to do the color rush thing. I, but if you're Michigan, Ohio State, Texas, USC, like you don't have to do that stupid shit. Like your right. uniforms are no, awesome. You're on, the, you're on the map already. But yeah, in the second half, I mean, this is a physical football team. I think we saw a little more of what we expected. Obviously, Florida is always uh, 
I feel like they're always shorthanded, and they do that to themselves by recruiting these players that can't stay on the field. But uh, it's going to be a big year in the Big Ten. Michigan's going to be right on the radar. It's going to be a lot of fun. The three things that I thought were really cool about the Michigan win were the freshman wide receivers, Crawford and Black. I thought they were good. Yeah, because we hadn't seen them yet, no doubt. And then I thought the front seven, just between Hurst and Gary and McCray, like, they look tough up front on defense and that was really really cool to watch because i think gary's going to be like if not this year the next year the best like defensive player in college football and yeah. then the last thing was like dude i don't think anyone talked about it but the way harbaugh managed the, fr- the first half like that was really interesting like have you ever like watched a football game where you were a fan and been like wow our offense needs to get off the field <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I'm a Texas fan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a New York Jets fan. So every single year of my life, <laughs> well, I was like, Jesus, we need to get the we need to get the ball out of our own hands." Like, and I think the way he handled fate was was really brilliant. I don't know, but people don't think that you can just give your quarterback a breather, but that's what he did, and it was, I think, the smartest thing he could have done. And he came back, and he's steady. And I don't think that dude's like. I don't think Spade is by any means an All-American or a Heisman candidate, but if he can just manage the game and not turn the ball over like he did, that's a tough team. to. You don't want to see Michigan, that's for sure. No, not with that defense and the defensive line. On the other side of it, you're a Titans fan, and NFL yeah. football is finally back. What Are people in Nashville like excited about the Titans? Because nationally, I mean, I know we had Peter King on, and he was like, my surprise team of the year is the Titans. I think they're going to you know, win 10, 12 games. It's like, geez, dude, like, everyone's stoked about this they team. Could, they could, but and everyone's really excited. And I think part of it is because the Predators run went so deep, and everyone was so excited about that that everybody here is kind of like, like rolling that into football season a little bit. <laughs> and it kind of because the Titans were so present during the Predators run and so visual, like we saw them everywhere. Taylor Lewan was all over the place in a Preds jersey, so I really did kind of like lift up the local visibility of the team. I mean, it's an NFL franchise. But people are pumped, man. They made some weird cuts, though. They did, like, yeah. Keeping the Harry Douglas was kind of weird. I think the wide receiver core is going to be the interesting thing because you know we haven't seen Corey Davis yet. Um, Taewon Taylor looked really good in the preseason. Yeah, um, he, he looks like their best. Him and Matthews look like one and two. Connor knows Eric Decker very well because he was a Jet for so long. But I know we, you know, when we had you on way back in like show number like four. We talked about the secondary, you know, like that's going to be what makes or breaks this team. And I still feel like that's true. And, you know, you got LaShawn Sims and Logan Ryan as your starting corners. And isn't it interesting to like watch preseason? I hate preseason football. I think it's so worthless. I think all it does is blow people's knees out. (laughs) Yep. That's right. Do you honestly care that much about like the 51st, 52nd, and 53rd player on the team? Like, kind of, but not like four games worth of give a shit. There's too many games. Too many games. People get hurt, whatever. But we didn't see anything good out of the Titans, really, in preseason. There was that, like, one Mariota drive in the second game. He looked pretty good on. But other than that, like, they didn't look very good in preseason. But Not that it matters. But the the secondary, I still, you know, Logan Ryan supposed to be better. But, man, I think <laughs> they didn't exactly instill confidence the first four weeks. For sure. I know in a non-sports world, you've got a lot going on right now. I mean, you you just came up off the road, right? And now you're about to go back on the road again. So how do you keep up with Michigan and the Titans and like just life while you're living out of a, a bus the whole time? 
Well, we have DirecTV, and unless it's <laughs> raining, it works really well. I don't know, man. We were in, like, this weekend, I was in Long Island playing a show, and I was opening for Old Dominion. Yeah. This big country band, and played this really big show at an amphitheater, and so I actually had to fly up. I couldn't bring a bus, so I just hung, I'm friends with those dudes, and we hung out all day, and then they have a TV on the outside of their bus and some chairs that everybody sits around and watches. You know, we watch football all day, so... There's not much to do during the day, like during, like when you're touring, you might work out a little bit. Literally, like my my thing is just trying to not drink until I'm supposed to. <laughs> Mine too. Like, there's so yeah. much downtime. It's so bored. Like it's, there's, it's, there's nothing to do all day long. So you're just like finding stuff to do. But there's plenty of ways to like, uh, Saturday especially, man, there's, everybody's watching football throughout the day. This week, dude, let me tell you what I'm, I'm doing this week. So we're going Thursday to Boston to watch the opener. Oh, wow. So we're going to go see, You're so famous now. That you're, oh, we're going to yeah. go to Boston to watch the opener. Jeez. Yeah, so we have, we're doing something cool up there with the Patriots, and I, I don't know. I don't exactly know much about it, but you'll, you'll see soon. And then once we do that, so I, I don't know how. I went to the Florida-Georgia Line show at um, Wrigley, and I didn't play it, but I was just – on the tour, and I don't get to play those stadium dates because Backstreet Boys does. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a pretty easy one to swallow. Like, oh, them, that's, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But I tagged along to the show at Wrigley, and I, I just got to know, like, a couple dudes in the Cubs front office just hanging around that day. So we're going back. We're flying from Boston to Chicago, and I get to, like, go hit BP on the field at Wrigley. <laughs> that's sweet. So this is, like, and like getting to be on your podcast, and I'm getting like such a huge sports fix this week. I, I think Marin's gonna just—he's gonna say that, that that's enough sports forever after this week is over. So it's perfect though, because like Game of Thrones ended, and you guys are really into that, right? And so now it's like it's sports time all the time. So that's fun. Yeah, uh, that perfectly segues into this. We didn't do this last time you were on the show um, because this podcast is ever evolving. But we run all our guests through the gauntlet, and we ask you five uh, questions. It's first thing that comes to mind. So question number one, what's your favorite beer? I think I know the answer to this just from following you on Snapchat and Instagram. So but the floor is I, yours. I have three favorite beers. I love I love great beer, but I kind of keep it simple. But I love Yazoo Pale Ale, and I love Bell's Oberon. And if I'm just drinking a regular beer, I love Corona. Nice. So we got we got asked last week from a fan there, like, what's the best Michigan beer you've ever had? And I haven't spent much time in Michigan in either. And Connor, you said a Bell's beer, right? Yeah, I said Bell. Yeah. But I like a lot of them, honestly. We have them all in New York City now, so it's awesome. Dude, Bell's, Bell's is such a huge fabric of where I'm from, too. Like, such, like, a huge yeah. part of, of, like, that town and, like, the fabric of that town. It's really cool. They have, But there's, like, seven breweries now in Kalamazoo it's, it's such a tiny t- like not tiny town but it's, it's a, every time I go back there's another one yeah it's crazy you can get the you can get the two hearted in almost every New York City bar nowadays which is great for us um, the, our next question number two we get some really funny answers with this one what's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent by a fan or it, it just an angry fan oh I, I I get mean ones all the time one of them no, oh man! Usually it was like people t- say my pants are too tight or something on stage. <laughs> but like, honestly, like if I finish a show and like an hour or two later I check Twitter and nobody's like "you suck," then that's a pretty good show for me. Because usually there's one or two people that are just like stupid enough to 
I don't know. They think that I can't see it or something. Whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me too much. People are generally pretty nice to me. But I know, like, you know, people, I don't know, the bigger you get, the more you have to deal with it. Like, I know Thomas Rhett has people every yeah, day. Yeah, we'll let you log into Matt's account the one stupidest, time. meanest shit to that guy. And, like, he's the nicest dude in the world. And same with Marin, where it's like, what? Just, like, kind of, I don't know. She's had to deal with that a lot more than I have. It's probably good if you don't read her mentions, right? Like, because you just don't. Because nah. you're going to be, like, more protective. Oh, dude, people will text me all the time and be like, like, just say, like, rude shit about my fiancé. And you're like, what? That that blows me away. But, no, it's it's really pretty tame. I think because we've, we're pretty public about being, you know, together and being, it's, it's I don't think not too many people come at us in, a, like, a weird way. That's good. That's good. So question number three, what's the one game none of your friends can beat you at? And, you know, it could be like Madden or if you guys are playing cornhole or washers on tour or something like that. What's the one uh, game you're good at? NHL. Nice. That's yes. Nice. Yeah. That's oh, the one. Man. I love, I love that game. I think that's the best video game out there. Madden, I'm with you, call Madden a bunch, but like the other, that NHL game, for some reason, man, it just, that one feels like, I don't know. That's the most fun video game to me. No doubt. Me and my buddies play to death. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not great at Madden, and I'm, I never got like great at FIFA. My brother's great at FIFA, and I can never beat him, but I can win every time at NHL. Uh, I think it helps, too. It's like the sport that you know, you know, kind of like I would sure. be awful at NHL or FIFA, but when it comes to Madden, I can usually hold my own pretty well, so that, that makes sense. Uh, question number four, and you can't say your fiance for this one. On a deserted island, uh, who's your dream person to be stranded with? Oh man, yeah, I usually have a cop yeah. We out. can't. We don't want to <laughs> get. We don't want to get you in trouble yeah. here. But no, I don't know. Um, let's see. Like generally, I don't like that many people, so it's kind of <laughs> hard. Uh, I like you guys. I say you've been on our show twice. Then you like Just us. Go to an island, and we can, and hopefully there's like direct TV, and we can watch football. That'd be great. <laughs> That'd that's a great great. answer. I like that's the nicest answer we've ever had. That's the truth. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That was that was totally me like bailing on that one. <laughs> well done. We'll, we'll take it. We're gonna promote the hell out of the show, just you know, who would yeah, Ryan Hurd be on an island with? All right, here's Ryan the last The last question, and this is honestly the most important one. On a on a hot dog, would you rather have ketchup or mustard? Mustard. Thank you, oh. God. Finally. Dude, <laughs> I tell we've been asking this question for like 10 weeks. No one has said mustard until now. So thank you. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I'm from like West Michigan and Chicago, so that's I don't think that's allowed. That's what I've been saying for months. And every person we have on here says ketchup. Some people will be try to be nice and be like, well, I'd like both, but if I had to pick one. So finally. No, no, oh, well, oh, man. We, I'm a big Chicago dog fan, too. Just the Relish and the pickle and the... Oh, yeah. Get the whole thing. And our producer, yeah. Dan, would say the same. Yep. While you're taking batting practice at Wrigley. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'll have to... I'll, I'll see you guys some photos. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I don't know how... I get to do some cool stuff, but I've never gotten to do something that cool. So, I, I'm really nervous. Can I throw out the first pitch yeah. and sing the seventh inning stretch while I'm at it? Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's a good oh, idea for you. You're perfect for that. That's a dream right there. We could start like a Twitter campaign. I'm down for that. Let's get it going. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right. All right, dude. Sounds good, man. Thanks for your time again. And uh, yeah, you, you guys can... are awesome. Ryan, thank you so much, man. 
Hey, everybody. So this past weekend, uh, my assistant, and you've heard him as our co-host, Mello, went up to Iowa City, Iowa, uh, with our other helper of the NFL Draft 400, Dan, to scout Josh Allen and that Wyoming offense against the Iowa Hawkeyes, who have a lot of talent of their own, including linebacker Josie Jewell, who had a great game. But what you're going to hear now, we kind of did a, a rough cut, a quick recap while everything was fresh in our minds after that game. And that's something you're actually going to hear every time we travel to a game. So in two weeks, you're going to get the same thing. We go to Louisville-Clemson to scout those players. Instead of waiting until Tuesday when we record this, we wanted to get it right off our chest while everything was at the top of our minds. So uh, here's Mello and I uh, coming to you from a, a bar in Iowa City, which is pretty damn fitting for us, talking about Josh Allen, the ups and downs of that game, and also talking about some of the other talent we saw on that Iowa defense. Hey, everybody. As promised, uh, Mello and I are here in Iowa City at the University of Iowa at Brothers Bar downtown. They've been super awesome to us, hosting us today after... A lot of people celebrating, a lot of Hawkeyes fans celebrating, but the reason everyone is, the reason we're here at least, the reason the NFL world was here was to pay attention to Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen, a true junior, number 17, 6'5", 245. Uh, the hype on this kid, and and listen, I'll take some of the blame for spreading the hype. He struggled today, Mello, and I think we saw, and I just want to say this off the top because what people don't understand, and my Twitter mentions today have been fucking awful. What people don't understand is that scouting is a process, and you you do your diligence, you talk to scouts, you watch tape, and you say, ah, this kid's got elite traits, but he's got to take it to the next level. We've seen some guys do that. Cam Newton comes to mind. Uh, we've seen some guys not do that. Blake Bortles comes to mind. So I, I think right now Josh Allen's somewhere in the middle of that. There's no arguing he has special talent, but I know you... You haven't been a believer. You've been a Sam Darnold guy. So what did you see today against a really good Iowa defense? What I saw today is that everybody talks about how this guy's such a gunslinger and how he can just throw the ball all over the field, which we saw today. He's throwing the ball from the opposite hash to a 15-yard out. And he's hitting it right on it's the a money. hard throw. Yeah. But like I said, with the gunslinger thing, he's not making bad plays because he's taking chances with his arm. He's making bad plays because he doesn't see a defense. When we saw that, he threw an interception late in the game on a screen pass, which is hard to do. Screen pass right to the defense. Hard to do. Both interceptions today were right to defenders. You know, my notes, the positives on Josh were, you know, the arm strength is elite. And it's important to say arm strength because it's not the arm. Right. The strength is phenomenal. Uh, I think at times he shows really good touch accuracy up the seam. Uh, he, He made a beautiful throw in the third quarter where he stepped up. It threw a dime and the receiver dropped it in the back of the end zone. So you see positives, but when you see negatives, it's he doesn't set his feet. He flushes from the pocket way too early. And I think some of that is we've seen it a lot in college before with guys. They don't trust their offensive line. We saw with Jared Goff. When you don't trust your line and you do trust yourself, you get out of the pocket. So he has to Im- improve on that. I-, I think it's a rush to judgment for a lot of people to say, and a lot of people are saying it, hey, this kid sucks. Yeah, and if we went knee-jerk reaction right when we left the stadium, I would have said, you know what, this kid's trash. But taking an Uber ride, stopping to get some beer, you sit on it for a little while, and you realize this is his first game this year. And his coaches did not do him any favors. I mean, they did not take chances down the field. Yeah, He came out, first two throws, little bubble screen, little bubble screen. Throwing it to the hash. They took no shots down and the no field. And no run game. Yeah. It, which is weird because they were going to play action. Even in the fourth quarter, you're running fucking play action in the shotgun. You haven't run the ball all day. You're not fooling anyone. And I know a lot of people talk about Craig Bowles. Hey, listen, for what the system is, yeah, he was under center almost the entire game. Uh, it, it felt like, at least in the press box. So 
there are positives that he could build on from this game. There are negatives that you worry about. And I, I had one uh, high-level exec text me right after the game, and he's giving me a little shit, and he's like, listen, buddy, in this business, you can never get too high and you can never get too low. And it, you're basically saying I got a little too high on Josh Allen because of the traits. And I know that's something, Connor, we've talked about before the three of us, is that you got to be careful with trait-based quarterback evaluation because – could bite you in the ass. But I maintain the fact that, listen, Pat Mahomes was just the number 10 pick in the draft. I think Mahomes is more conservative as a passer, but in terms of tools, Allen's ahead of him in arm strength and footwork and athleticism. Yeah, I'd say Allen is definitely ahead of Mahomes, and I know that I've hated on him. But just like Mahomes, I don't think I would take a chance, as of right now, on Josh Allen in the first round. Because you think he has to be developed? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of development. I know I've compared him to Ben Roethlisberger, too. He's a big guy with a big arm, but he's just not seeing the defense. I don't know if he's getting through his reads or if the offensive line has something to do with it because he does not trust that offensive line. Almost every throw that he makes, he's still running. So being a mobile quarterback is one thing. You see guys like Russell Wilson. They get out of the pocket, and they're mobile, but they set their feet before they throw. This guy throws the ball while he's still running full speed. He needs to take some time get his feet set under him, and I think that's going to help a lot of his accuracy problems. Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're saying this as a former quarterback, so you've been there, you've done it. You played behind a shitty offensive line. You know how it goes uh, when you start, to, you start to see ghosts a little bit, and it is, especially when you're, you are an athlete. And we saw, we saw him make a beautiful play where he's wrapped up by like three guys and he somehow spins out of it, but then yeah. he takes the sack instead of throwing the ball away. So I think we have to remember he's 21 years old, barely. Uh, there's a lot of development that still needs to be done. And l- no one was ever calling this kid Andrew Luck. We, I think we've all said all along, when you like Josh Allen, you like the traits. And you worry about everything else. So a lot to build off of. Um, can't thank the people of the University of Iowa enough. I mean, the assistant AD came by the, the press box and let us know where the good tailgating spots were after the game. So they understand our brand here in Iowa City for sure. You got, what we get a, a rack at Natty Light for like eight bucks? Yeah, seven forty nine. Got an eight pack, eighteen pack for yeah, seven. Almost, almost had to do a public breathalyzer because the the man at the liquor store lied to us and said, "Hey, you could drink on the street as long as you will take a breathalyzer." I swear to God, two minutes later we saw a cop and he said, "You can't be drinking beer on the sidewalk." Yeah, super nice guy. Which brings me to another point. You know, we're walking to the stadium. We're walking to get a beer. It's a beautiful day here in Iowa. And all we wanted to do was just drink some beer. The second we got out of the car, all we wanted to do was just drink some beer. So you know what? If you see us, the stick to football guys especially, toss us a beer. Hey, that's all we're looking for. It's beer me challenge. Yeah, just beer me and, a natty light. And hey, and if you see us tailgating, we're going to give you a beer. I'm, I'm very giving at a tailgate. We get the, the kegs of Boulevard. Hey, stop by. Get a brat with mustard on it. No ketchup. And have some beer. You know, and I think we've already bought some beers for these guys up here at this bar right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're having a good time, spreading the love around, buying some beers. It, it has been a good trip. Um, this is something we're going to try to do these live segments every time we go out to a game. In two weeks, we're going to see another pretty damn good quarterback. Lamar Jackson will be traveling to Louisville to watch the Clemson Tigers come in with that amazing defense. Looking forward to that. Um, and then we've got Texas, Oklahoma in the middle of October. Bittersweet day as a Longhorns fan. Yeah. That's a that's a rant that you guys don't want me to go off on right now. And it's, it's tough to say because we obviously didn't get to watch any games. You get you know Twitter mentions that say Saquon Barkley went off today. Right. I haven't got a chance to watch any of that yet. But being a Texas fan and seeing that score, giving up fifty one to Maryland, yeah, pretty a damn shitty ACC team putting up fifty one on you. Yeah, that's, that's tough. 
Uh, it is tough. And I know Connor doesn't want this to become a Texas Longhorns podcast, but uh, it might for the next 12 weeks. There might be a lot of just bitching and moaning about who Texas is and isn't right now. Hopefully they get it turned around. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this live stick to football report and take a mellow up on that beer me challenge. I'm liking that. And we need a couple of them today after watching my, my quarterback crush get crushed by the Iowa defense. So uh, mellow, any parting thoughts before we kick it back to the live show? Uh, no, just can't wait to see what my boy Sam Darnold does. All right, that was it. Quick and dirty from Iowa City. Coming up next, everyone's favorite part of the show, little draft on draft. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we're going to do a little draft on draft. This has been a fun show because we we dove in deep. We talked about the top quarterbacks. We talked about you guys, how much you hate me. We talked about Ryan Hurd. You heard some about-to-be-drunk audio from Iowa with us breaking down the, the game that we saw in person. But now it's time. This is honestly my favorite part of the show because I feel like the at the beginning of the show, we talk at you guys. This part of the show, we actually get to talk to you guys. So we're going to bring in our kick-ass intern, Kennedy, with some nice alliteration by me there. That was I didn't even that plan that. Good. That was very good. Not, that was not really bad. Good. I'm getting good at this shit. Let's, uh, let's answer some questions. Uh, I see we got Twitter questions, iTunes questions. We got the whole thing this week. Yeah, you guys sent in great questions. So Notre Dame2490 asked, have you heard anything or watched any Josh Adams from Notre Dame? I personally know that he rushed for 161 yards this past weekend. I know Ooh. it was against Temple. But do you think he could be a solid running back? So I, I do have him ranked, and he's just a junior. So I didn't have like a grade on him yet. But look at you throwing out stats there. Uh, it's He's a big kid. Um, and, and the Temple defense is usually, even if they don't have big prospects, they're always fundamentally really sound. So I, I would say those stats against uh, Temple would be noteworthy. But like I said earlier, I didn't get to watch the Notre Dame game because I was traveling. So, Connor, I know that's your squad. I'm excited to see what you have to say. Yeah, Adams is really interesting because I was actually watching the game uh, at a bar with a couple of my buddies. And my uh, our friend, our good buddy Hunter Mandela, that used to work at Bleacher Report, said to me, like, what do you know about Adams? He looks really good. And I was like, man, he, when he was a freshman two years ago, he came onto the scene and was like Mr. Big Play. He averaged over seven yards a carry. He had six touchdowns. He gets banged up, but he's a big body. He's like 6'1", 220, 225. He's got some bursts to the outside. So this wasn't a flash in the pan. He's been kind of doing this the last two years. It's just that he had such a good freshman year and then kind of a quiet sophomore year because last year was a disaster for nearly everyone at Notre Dame. I think in this offense, with the attention that Equinemius St. Brown and Wimbush and that left side of the offensive line, the attention that all that commands is going to open things up for Adams, who's a very good player. I think he can be kind of a you know mid to late round kind of back, probably more in the later rounds, but he's effective. So I like that question a lot because he's gone under the radar for how bad Notre Dame was last year, but he's going to have a really big year. Notre Dame 2490 also wanted you guys to know that there's a restaurant at Purdue where the owner doesn't allow you to put ketchup on your hot dogs. He's a ketchup guy, but he thought it was interesting. So, Matt, I think that's a win for you. That is a win for me, finally. Finally getting some wins in the ketchup versus mustard world. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I hope Mr. Restaurant Owner had a good week watching Lamar Jackson tear up his team. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Jer Schmidt 
wants to know what is the easiest quarterback mechanic to correct? Setting the fee, release point. What do you guys think? Oh gosh, Ooh, I think that's for, a good one. I, I think footwork is probably the easiest to fix because you can rep it. And I, I've kind of started to think that maybe you don't mess with a guy's release just because they've been doing it for so long. You know, if you're a if you're a rookie, you're probably 21 to 23 years old. So you've been throwing a ball that way most of your life. I don't know if you mess with that, but I think footwork you can clean up. You can shorten a stride. You can stretch out a stride. You can you can really work on the the timing of your steps. So I would say footwork is the one that you you probably feel best about trying to fix. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. I think with the release, it's so natural for so long that it's really hard to train that away. We've seen that's kind of been a problem for Paxton Lynch coming into the NFL this year. Is, you know, one of the big questions on him was, hey, you know, that kind of wind-up thing he has, it's it's helping defenders read where he's going with the ball, and that hasn't gotten better. Where areas you, you do see footwork improve in certain areas, and we'll have to have a, one of the guys that trains all these quarterbacks come on the show when we get closer to the draft this year to explain what they try to fix and what they understand they can't. One thing that's not a mechanic, but rather just a trait that I've been told is the one thing you always bet on improving is velocity, because... And it always it also depends how young the prospect is, but these are younger guys, and some of them declare when they're you know just twenty one years old, and you can bank on them getting bigger and stronger and velocity improving, whereas other things that are more natural do not always improve. You guys got to get Gruden on on the show, huh? We have there talked we about go. that. Yes, we have. You definitely there. need to get him on the show. That's a next week, right? <laughs> not quite. We'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sylvester. Valderrama wants to know what is the week one hot take that might not be so hot takey by the end of the year? Oh, Jesus. Wow. Well, I think the week one hot take is like that, like, you know, people are now saying Josh Allen sucks. And this is a kid that, I mean, I've, I've said before, there were scouts who thought he would have been a top five pick last year. And that was after he had had the five pick game at Nebraska. So I think that's the hot take right now. And the reason that it might not be so hot takey by the end of the year is, I mean, we've seen that before with these guys who are great athletes who have big arms and they're, you know, oh, he's a, he's a project. He could go really high. And then they they start to fizzle out a little bit as you dig in and see more of the you know areas where decision making might have to be cleaned up. Mechanics might not be as great as you had hoped for, things like that. So I'm not and I'm in no way trying to hedge on my Josh Allen man crush. I'm just saying I could see that one. Not he's still going to be a first rounder no matter what because of his traits, but I can see his stock slipping with the NFL a little bit. I think this one can go both ways, but you know, there's been two ways of taking this take. One, some people have said, okay, the quarterback class isn't good as we thought, as good as we thought, like they stink. And then other people have said, hey, this is a really good quarterback class and are getting excited about the guys they didn't know about. You know, Matt, we talked about obviously Clayton Thorson and Tanner Lee. I think yep. one thing is because of the demand, the supply and demand factor. I wouldn't be shocked to see four to five quarterbacks find their way into the first round this year. I, I don't, we might see a scenario where some teams trade back into the end of round one, like similarly to the way the Broncos did for Paxton Lynch a couple years ago. I still think Rosen, Allen, Darnold, you know, maybe Jackson are guys that go in that, you know, go in the first round like we thought. But I do think there's going to be names that pop up that really impress this year. And, I just wouldn't be surprised to see this be a very, very heavy quarterback year in round one. Matt, who do you have a bigger man crush on, Teddy Bridgewater or Josh Allen? Oh, no one's dethroning Teddy, right? No. I, <laughs> gosh, that's hard. But 
I I would say right now I like Teddy more. Those are God talk about unpopular opinions as we sit here on September fifth. You guys are making me look bad. I I still <laughs> Teddy's still my guy. His poise and football IQ. I know we haven't really got to see it because of the injury have always just been special to me. So I'll, I'm going to keep Teddy up there for now. Hey, if the Vikings don't want to keep him, he can come be the savior for the Jets next year. I wouldn't. Care no about, joke. Yeah, you guys it. need it. <laughs> New Chad Pennington. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle asked, why do scouts slash GMs seem afraid of Lamar Jackson's unique set of skills rather than embracing it? This is a tough question to answer, honestly, because it's a really good one. It's a great question, but I I think a lot of it is, you know, we've talked about this with even someone like Colin Kaepernick, where teams say this is our scheme. And I I complained about this last week about guys come in and say, this is our scheme. We're going to run it. You know, you either have to fit it or get out of here. And I think with Lamar Jackson, because he is one, he's a smaller guy. Um, We just talked about Teddy. I think Teddy was quite a bit bigger than Lamar Jackson when he came out. So you already have a small bodied guy who is best on the move. So I think you worry about that aspect of it. And but he does have great arm strength. He's obviously a threat on the move. But I think because the quarterback position in the NFL is super, super valuable, you don't want those guys taking unnecessary hits. Like we've seen Cam Newton, they've completely retooled their offense so that he's not getting hit as often. And I think with Lamar Jackson being, what is he, 6'1, 195 pounds, probably? You just he's don't want him getting hit. He's so much bigger than he looks. It, There's I just, no he, way. He's so lanky. And I mean, he's electric, I'll be, but I'll be yeah. there in two weeks. We'll find out. Yes. Please. You know, oh, I mean, I'll, right. we'll see him in person. So. He is electric, man. I think the hard thing is instead of embracing it, I think you have enough fears about we're going to get this kid broken in half. It's going to be an RG3 situation where he's just not going to be able to hold up physically if we let him play his style of football. I guess that would be my short answer. I I think teams are afraid to miss on a guy like Jackson rather than miss on a pocket passer. Whether you agree that's right or wrong, everyone listening to this, because I totally understand Sometimes you should swing for the fences and say, hey, this guy's an outlier. Let's roll the dice on him. There's going to be the same thing for Sam Darnold with that release. He's He might be just an outlier where he gets away with it. Jackson's crazy play style. Now, Jackson's improved working through the pocket. We saw a little bit of that this week. But there's still a lot of times where he leaves a clean pocket and you say, why did he do that? And it works in college. And yeah. people go, wow, that's an electric play on the move, that throw on the move. In the NFL, when you leave a clean pocket... You're probably running into trouble. You're cutting the field in half. There's faster containment. So I'm not a Jackson doubter or hater. I know what people are going to get that vibe. I'm just, and I don't even know if I'm a skeptic. I just think that <laughs> old school coaches and scouts have a bigger fear of missing on an outlier like that when there are a lot of pocket passers available that they have bigger belief in, whether you agree it's right or wrong. No, you nailed it there. And people are going to hate you. It's going to be great. On, at yeah, Connor J. Yeah, Rogers. Just wait for yeah, your Twitter yeah. to blow up right after F- this. File all complaints to Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, Connor. Okay. Austin Siebert, I think, sent in the best question and the most difficult to answer. You guys have to pick a backup quarterback to start every game for your team this year. And both of you guys must pick different quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. That is too that good. That was nice. That was real I was, nice. I was I, trying to get in before you, man. You know what's funny? I almost just want to say Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> um, you can't have one take the other. Yeah. In all fairness, I will say Derek Anderson. Uh, if wow. I don't get Garoppolo. I, I wouldn't have expected that. He no. is. He was really, like, really good for one year and then awful. 
But whenever I watch him, um, like in the preseason, I still see a guy that's like probably better than Josh McCown, who's starting. Probably better than uh, just there's just some really bad starters. I don't want to go down this well right now of just naming all the crappy starters in the NFL. And Anderson's not good either. I just had to pick one, and I didn't get Garoppolo. So it's either <laughs> Jacoby Brissett or Derek Anderson for me. Okay, Richard Royal asked the best question. Does Josh Rosen get a new hot tub? Yes, with ice and champagne. <laughs> 100%. He needs the ice after that first half where he's yeah. getting his ass just destroyed. <laughs> he got Dude. hit. Can you still not get this kid a good left tackle? Like He's I, never had one. It's a so good one. They can't get him a serviceable football player on the left yeah. side. God, it's... I don't if he he needs a, a hot tub and a cold tub. He needs one of those cryo things in his dorm room now. Yes. So he could just go in and read. Speaking rehab. of bad use bad UCLA left tackles, did McDermott make the Patriots their former left tackle? Let's That's see. a good question. No, they cut him, of course. And then the Bills claimed him. So yeah. wow. He, that I was mean, a bad, was bad draft pick. So how many yes. of their picks did they keep? Just why well, they right? Is the only they one that lose. made the active roster. They lost the... Uh, Rivers got hurt. Rivers got hurt. So, not a good draft yeah. class. And Garcia uh, got hurt. So, yes. two guys hurt. One guy made the roster. The other cut. Hell it's, of a draft, Bill. It's mind-blowing to me how bad they could be at drafting at sometimes and how incredible they are just team-building with being bad at drafting. Whether it's trades, free agency, undrafted guys. I, I don't know how they do it. It's incredible. Tom Brady. That's how they do it. It's really That's unfair. Fair. I mean, they they take the worst player and somehow they make him amazing. Like serviceable. It, it really yeah. makes no sense. Genius. Okay, King John fifty six said, as a Browns fan, he's pleased with Kaiser and the direction that the Browns front office is taking, but his accuracy and inconsistency still shows. As a rookie, you have to be patient. But how does he evaluate him this year to get a sense of him being a franchise quarterback or not? You know, I think one of the biggest things and you want to see if he panics or not, because I, yes. I can think back a lot of the quarterbacks who, you know, like Blake Bortles, Blaine Gabbard, a lot of the guys who struggled, it, you could see it like it just you could see the panic in their eyes. And then you have like Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz, who it's never bothered them. The moment hasn't. They've never been afraid out there. And so that's what I want to look for because, and listen, I think the Browns team is much better than people expect. Like that's a very good offensive line. As long as Joe Thomas is in there, they have some skill players. Now they have a a running back by committee. That's going to work. So you want to see him be a distributor. And I I think most importantly, and this is very hard for a rookie quarterback. You want to be better in week 17 than you were in like week four, because it's easy to come out hot. And then defensive coordinators start breaking down your tape and saying, oh, well, let's just go at this or let's go at that. We saw that happen with Carson Wentz last year. So if you can really continue to get better throughout the year like Dak Prescott did, that's where you start to get pretty excited. Yeah, the best thing Deshaun Kaiser can do, and I know this is like a really dumb, simple thing to say, is win as many games as you can to put the Browns out of top pick position because if the Jags, (laughs) Jags, Jets, and Bills are picking in front of them, which they should be, there's probably three quarterbacks gone already. And listen, I think Kaiser can be good enough to give them faith that he deserves at least year two and three to see him grow. But at the end of the day, it's also going to come down to 
you know, a team like the Browns are not going to pass at the opportunity to draft a guy that they see fit. They would have to miss the opportunity. So, like you said, Matt, you'd like to see Kaiser improve throughout the season, but you'd also like to see this team finally win some football games and not be picking in that top five, top ten. Yeah. If Kaiser doesn't become a franchise QB, what number of quarterbacks will they be on? Do you guys even know? Isn't it like 32 oh or God. something? Uh, they're running out of room on that jersey that they put the <laughs> tape names on. It's got to be in the 20. I mean, yeah, it's got to be. It's bad. It, it, even like just draft picks they've missed on. Whedon, Manziel. God, it's it's a lot. It's absolutely a lot. Okay, the last question of the week is from one of the best fans on the show, Anthony Mangaluzo, and he asked, Important trait for running backs is yards created, but how valuable is a receiver's ability to create yards after the catch? Oh, I think it's a huge ability. You can look at guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and say, like, that's one of your favorite things about him. I, obviously, you have to be able to get open, you have to be able to catch, but then what you can do with the ball in your hands is it's one of the top things I look for in a receiver. And and for some guys, you look at receivers that have to be able to separate. They either need to do it with speed or with size. Some people can do both, and they, they're they like Julio Jones. Most people, it's one or the other. So when you can separate with speed and then create after the catch, it's a reason someone like John Ross is a top 10 pick, even though he was hurt, even though he's kind of small. Like you see Tyreek Hill or Deshaun Jackson, like guys like that, they can be smaller players. Uh, Antonio Brown's probably the, the greatest in the NFL at it right now of being able to do something with the ball in their hands after the fact. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think it's something that can separate you from once again being a jag or being a key starter on your team. And it also depends what the team's trying to do. I mean, if you have a team just trying to work crossers underneath because they don't trust their quarterback enough, you, you have to have people that can create yards after the catch, make people miss, run through people. If you have a guy that, you know, isn't, we were talking about Simi Cobbs earlier, how he has that Mike Evans ability where even when he's not open, he's open. If you're one of those guys that you have to separate, you know, you have to be able to pick up yards after the catch because you're just not physically dominant against corners like that. It's just another thing that you have to be able to do to separate yourself. So like Matt said, it's very important now. Well, guys, that's it for this week's Draft on Draft. So many great questions again. Loving them. Definitely love the Josh Rosen one. These ones are hilarious. So great job, (laughs) Stickies. Yeah, a lot of good questions this week. And again, we love the fan interaction. Just remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Stick to Football. Uh, You can send your questions there. Uh, You can send your your questions in an iTunes review. You can send your questions to Kennedy at Kennedy L. Kurtz on Twitter. Uh, You can send them to Connor at Connor J. Rogers. You can send them to me at NFL Draft Scout. Uh, You'll have to get in with all the people who hate Josh Allen now. So I might miss your tweet. So you might have a better chance than them to the other guys. But uh, this has been an awesome show. Uh, hopefully we gave you guys a longer show this week. Everyone's complaining when we turn in these 30 or 45 minute shows. We're trying to stretch these out for you. Give you a lot of information uh, next week. Connor, we're going to be recording the show together next yeah, week. Is that right? right. That's the, the rumor. At that'll least. be the first time since NFL draft week that we record a show. Wow. Together. You two guys yep, the, are the, finally together again. That is that's, that's right. Reunited side. and it feels so good. <laughs> It will be fun next week. Uh, We're going to have Jeff Schwartz, uh, former offensive lineman. He now works in the media doing film breakdowns. We talked to him about everything from food to big cut to, you know, signing a huge deal with the New York Giants. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun talking to Jeff. Uh, It'd be a good show next week. We'll have a lot of college football to review that Ohio State, Oklahoma game. Kennedy, your your Sooners got a big one next week. And I'll tell you the truth. I was. I was at dinner with Mello last night and said, man, I, 
I think Oklahoma could beat Ohio State. I, I, and I that's hard for me to Ooh, say as buddy. a Texas fan. Hey, uh, I think Oklahoma's going to win. It's going to be a huge QB battle, but Baker Mayfield for Heisman, I'm telling you. I, oh, I like Baker Mayfield more than JT Barrett. I know that. <laughs> Not hard to do. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Thanks to Connor. Thanks to Kennedy. And because we never do this, thanks to our awesome, awesome producer, Dan. Uh, We love you, Dan. And good luck with your fantasy draft tonight. We'll talk to you guys next week. 